0: Good morning, good evening, welcome once more to the All About Windows Phone Insight Podcast, where we dissect, where we discuss and we debate the issues of the day around Microsoft's mobile platform and all the hardware partners that are involved with them. Uh, And there's at least enough hardware partners in there to get to verse 4 of the 12 days of Christmas. Uh, But joining me now uh, on my left, the merry man that is Ray Blanford.
1: Hello everybody, great to be back and thank you everybody for listening.
0: And on your left, the man with the golden rings. It's Sonic the Headshot. It's not in Steve Litchfield.
2: Hello, and I've been asked by the legions of listeners out there every time you mention Eurovision, I've got to blow a klaxon. So unless you want a klaxon on recording, you're not allowed to mention Eurovision this podcast, Ian.
0: Hey, what about if you mention it? Anybody? <laughs> let's, right, so let's you need to klaxon yourself. Oh, I've done it three, three times. times. <laughs> See, I started off with a Sega, uh, just to stay away from that. But there we go. Yes, we're here once more to talk about what's been happening this week in the world of Windows Phone. As always, uh, we are going to be covering some of the stories and discussing in more depth and counterpointing what you can find on our website, allaboutwindowsphone.com. And there's some other stuff as well. And there's stories that we can basically keep on going. We've already mentioned the 1520 numerous times uh, on the website. But it never grows old, at least for the next couple of weeks. So, Rafe, long-term thoughts. And by long-term, I mean at least ooh, a week and a half. How's the 1520 going?
1: The fifteen twenty is going well. I think I talked about it on the podcast when I'd had it for a few days, and I said I'd report back on kind of the size issue. For me, personally, it's still too big a device. I found myself wanting to go back to the 925 and other devices of that size. It's just it's not very comfortable when you're carrying it about. And so I found a couple of times I was out and about and i either put it in a bag or didn't bring it with me, which is kind of a death now, really, for a smartphone. But when you switch back to something else, you do suddenly go, ooh, I wish I had that 1520 screen. And I don't mean the size. I actually mean the quality of the screen. Uh, because although I think Nokia's Lumia devices quite rightly have a reputation for having pretty good screens, the 1520 is definitely a step up. I mean, Nokia made a lot of fuss about the kind of sunlight visibility, and that's that's definitely there. But at this time of year, you, you don't see it so much. But actually, that has an impact uh, when you're inside as well. For example, you're in the kind of shopping centre underneath those bright lights that you often get around this time of year, and the screen still works when you don't get those annoying reflections, and it just seems to work. Well, you know, often there's a that period where you have to just adjust the screen slightly or something like that to get that maximum visibility, but I haven't had that at all with the 1520. So that's really stuck out in my mind. The other thing that I've really enjoyed about it is having a micro SD card slot in it. It might seem like a little thing, but it was much easier to get music and other content onto it. Now, part of the reason for that is I've actually had various Windows phone devices with micro SD cards in them and I was able just to take it out of one and put it into another. I suspect you're not really meant to do that, but it did seem to work okay, at least for me. Uh, but even so, it was just the getting stuff on there bit was a lot easier without having to fuss about with sort of connecting it to a PC and doing all that drag and drop process or using the official Windows Phone app. So it's grown on me as a device. I've actually become more impressed with the hardware, but from a personal point of view, it, it it's a bit too big. I think part of that has been informed by the fact that I spend a lot of time sitting at a desk using a computer and so the need for sort of a mobile companion on that size isn't really there. And also I do have a tablet and I've been using Nokia's Lumia 2520 tablet. And for me, that's a better solution to have as the big screen but portable device that I carry with me. You know, put it in a backpack or a bag, use it on the train or, you know, if I go into someone else's house or something, I want to show something off, it's great for that. But I'm still using the kind of the the four and a half inch Lumia 925 as my kind of main smartphone. But uh, I think there are a lot of people who will look at the 1520 and go, it's too big. But I was surprised how close it was for me to actually saying, yes, this is a perfectly device that i'm happy to carry about i thought it'd be a no straight away if it'd been five and a half inches instead of six inches i think i would have come to a different decision
0: i mean yeah, the, the other question of course is the camera and i'm sure steve's got some questions on the camera technology just to keep the cliches ticking over there because it carries on with the pureview but it's sort of 21 yeah. megapixel range
1: yeah it's sort of tw- well just over 20 megapixels and it's kind of this combination of the 925 and the 1020 camera so it's got the oversampling but not at the 41 megapixels you said it's 20 megapixels and so you still get some of the kind of uh, zoom uh, and it's you know real zoom it's using the pixels uh, but it's not to the same degree as 1020 and honestly it's not quite as useful The, the zooming it's sort of two times on photos which is enough to kind of help with framing a little bit but in terms of actual getting close to something Honestly, it's not that big a deal. But in terms of the oversampling, it really does help. And that's why it's a step up from the 925's camera, I'll say, and the 920 and kind of other of those ilk. And there's a lot of smartphones around that, you know, 8 megapixel, maybe 12 megapixel sensor that are, you know, very good. And you, you can look at what Samsung's doing, HTC or Apple. But actually, I think Nokia has stolen a bit of a march by putting this oversampling technology in. It just results in pictures that feel... D- to use the pure view terminology a bit purer i haven't done as much testing as i sometimes do on this and we're going to get steve to take a look in in due course but it does seem to be a better overall camera phone so it just sort of it puts it above the best of the rest and the 1020 is still you know the one to choose but the 1520 is sort of getting some way towards 1020 and for a lot of people that's going to be enough because you know the 1020 is very powerful it you know it it's that what's good enough for you i think the other thing about the 1520 it does have the latest version of the nokia algorithms and the, the processing in it the other devices are going to get that with lumia black and i think that will make an interesting difference it'll be interesting to see whether the 1020 gets rid of some of the tint problems that some people have had with it and same applies to the 95 i mean we've already seen the 920 get updated and have its camera improved Underlines the importance of those processing algorithms. I mean, Steve, you haven't uh, been able to try it out yourself, but you've seen some of the samples come out, and you've seen the raw mode and things like that. Do you think that software side of thing is going to be an important factor? You know, will there be improvements in the existing devices?
2: Oh, absolutely! I was astonished how much the Lumia 920 was improved in terms of the camera. The first six months of the 920's existence, I thought it's just underperforming. Every update just didn't quite do it. It was still underperforming, and all of a sudden outcomes this next gen software um, algorithms presumably based on those the 925 uh, and uh, Nokia Amber and all of a sudden the 920s camera just came alive really really impressive results significantly outperforming a lot of the the, uh, competing smartphones with the same size camera and the the, I I did see somewhere some samples of the 1020 with the and the black algorithms uh, with before and after I, I must try and dig that out on the web Um, obviously I'll be experiencing experiencing that myself in the coming weeks Uh, and a tremendous difference again the the infamous yellow cast you get in some low light situations with the 1020 is completely gone and everything is now white and grey and neutral which is good because it's not yellow uh, and I'm expecting big things of it so I I really can't wait for this And I'm, I'm kind of doing check check for updates every single day on the 1020 in the hope that black might come my way yeah, I mean, I've been doing some
1: comparisons. Obviously, I can't do it between device, but just looking at the fifteen twenty, I'm not sure it's quite as big as update as it was going. You know, uh, for Lumia Amber, but it's certainly visible in some of the pictures if you look at the detail. Um, the fifteen twenty also seems to have slightly less distortion on the lens. I don't know whether there's been an update there or not, but it is significant. And I mentioned uh, the raw formatting. Not of interest to most people but i'm excited to see what that does on the 1020 and for those who are kind of looking for the you know the superlative camera experience the 1020 is still going to be the, the device to choose uh, outside of that you know the you know the 1520 still offers a lot in other areas i mean another kind of minor point is it's got wireless charging integrated and so there's no need to buy a a wireless charging cover or anything like that and it's just all those sort of little bits add up to something that goes now this is one of the best pieces of hardware that nokia has produced and I, i said it in the review and i said it in the last podcast i'm really looking forward to seeing kind of this generation of the hardware which is effectively the third generation in a device that's kind of the form factor and size of the lumia a 920 925 range with the four and a half inch screen because that
2: personally for me is the form factor i i like most yeah just mention uh, mentioned a few things the, the the lack of distortion in the 1520s images possibly because the 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 optics aren't quite such wide, as wide angle and the sensors smaller That's true. of course the reason the 1020 has this infamous slight barrel distortion around the outside of the frame is that they're having to pack an incredibly large sensor into an incredibly thin form factor, relatively speaking, that's where that happens. So the 1520 should get the kind of the best of all worlds. One point, Ray, Ray if you, if this, the um, 1520's got a six-inch screen? That's right, yes. And, and uh, I do wonder why Nokia have this whole range of devices with four-and-a-half-inch screens, Yes, yes, the Lumia 65's got 4.7, but it's in that ballpark. And they made this huge, relatively huge jump to six-inch screens with nothing in the middle. Now, devices like the LG G2 and the Samsung Galaxy Note have shown that the 5.2, 5.3-inch screen phones can be very popular. Going to go a six-inch screen phone, which seems, as you say, going to a, quote, phablet, seems like a huge jump. I, just, I wonder why they didn't put something slap-bang in the middle, which would have been, you know probably appeal to many more people Uh, It's an interesting question i I think the only answer you can give here is we only
1: ever look at the market as it is now and i wouldn't be at all surprised if on the roadmap there's some devices with larger screens in fact i wouldn't be that surprised if the successor to the 925 actually goes up to five inches or maybe there's one at four and a half inches sort of the 820 equivalent for the next generation plus a you know a nine thirty or, or whatever it happens to be it it does honestly feel like there's a bit of a gap there now, particularly when you compare it to the Samsung uh, portfolio, but also you know Sony and uh, perhaps HTC as well so yes I, I mean, I think there's a gap there I mean the big screen is nice, and I will say that if you're going to go for a big screen device, I can kind of see the point in going to six inches and you know, it's all the usual suspects like looking at videos and web browsing but one thing i will say is actually in terms of holding it up as a viewfinder as a camera having that extra space i think worked really effectively you know that holding the camera in front of you to frame a digital image having a bigger screen i i really enjoyed it. it kind of allowed me to be a bit more creative in the way i was taking photographs i mean that's also the visibility of the screen thing again but uh you're right I, it it does strike me as kind of slightly curious that there wasn't something maybe in between, and you know, whether that's five inches or five and a half inches, my my suspicion would be there is actually going to be something to fill that gap before too long, and we'll look back in three months and go ah that makes sense. Just as I'm sure there's going to be another low end device to kind of replace the five twenty we were talking about that, that last week with the five two five. But right now, yes, you know, Nokia filled up all the basics and then started expanding outside the portfolio, and as a result, there's maybe a few gaps.
2: There's one more quick question before Ewan leaps in. You did mention about the the 1520 being too large for you, ultimately. But it is so tempting. I want to sympathize with you here. I had the Samsung Galaxy Mega 6.3 for a while. And you think, yes, I've got one device, literally one device that can be my phone and my tablet. I don't have to carry two devices around. There's a huge temptation to think, I can forget the iPad. I can forget the Nexus 7. I can forget my phone. I've got one device. That does it all, and that's where the 1520 potentially appeals. But as you say, if you happen to handle it and carry it and be mobile all day, every day, it can get in the way, especially, I guess, in the summer. I guess winter's not such a problem because you just stick it in your coat pocket. But at certain times of the year, I think... Uh, an all in one device a 6 inch screen which is just just a tiny bit too much
1: that's right and there is no one right answer to this uh, and i think it, as i said it'll depend on what current device you already have you know do you have a tablet or a laptop and how do you use them and what are your kind of circumstances you know where do you use them if you spend a lot of time so you know office it might not be so bad and there's a you know a lot to be said for having that big screen but i think it it's just has to be enough occasions where it's annoying or you don't take it with you or you notice it that then will will, will put you off it. And for me personally, uh, you know, I want a, a smartphone that I can take anywhere with me. I then do use a, a tablet and then it's a computer and it can be a, a desktop or a laptop. However, I do wonder if people are missing one of those and it will often be the laptop or the, the tablet, whether this kind of large screen smartphone makes a lot of sense and if you like it is becoming as the name suggests phablet phone and tablet for those that already have a kind of established digital maybe not so much but we're not really in the target market for this i mean if you talk to the all the phone manufacturers they'll say there's you know two or three big markets for this and this is kind of over 50s um, particularly men who basically want things to look bigger on the screen because maybe the eyesight's going or whatever and Steve might be ancient but he's not quite there yet his (laughs) eyesight's still pretty good and then the other group is kind of the younger female audience and particularly out in Asia and that's you know carrying a handbag you know the phone doesn't fit in the pocket but then most phones don't and so they're willing to go for that bigger screen and I think particularly that's the kind of um, group that may be using this as a, a phablet really suggests you know phone and tablet I suspect some of the uh, you know, senior users, O50, which tends to be more in the Western European and the US markets, probably uses because they want the big screen and might also have a tablet. So whenever you think about this, you can never look at it purely from your own perspective. You have to kind of consider the wider context. But uh, I think it is fair to say, despite the fact these phones have become well-established and big screen smartphones are now making up a bigger and bigger part of the market, particularly at this six-inch size, it is kind of minority interest. Probably not as a, a small minority as something like a, a camera specialist device like the 1020, but it's certainly not mainstream in the way that something like the 520 or the 925 or those other devices are. But uh, I, I've been peculiarly fascinated by it. When I first heard it announced, sitting in the audience at Nokia World, and I thought, no, that's not for me. But I, I came really quite close to picking one up, and that really did surprise me.
0: And of course, the third people that are very useful for Fabless are drag queens, because it makes their hands look so small and helps with their outfit on stage.
1: I think that's the kind of comment that's going to get some uh, feedback, Ewan, but uh, never De- mind.
0: Yes, yes, there we go. Um, because that's what I'm here for. None of this detailed analysis stuff. None of this looking at the gaming markets or anything. It's to make cheap puns about drag queens before Christmas. Mission accomplished. Um, although other missions accomplished, I didn't see the, uh, if we stay with the 1020 here briefly. I see that Stuff had their great big awards of the year uh, that happened uh, last week, and the Nokia Lumia 1020 ran away with the Readers Award, uh, which I found very interesting. Stuff obviously had their editorial choices, but uh, when you actually put it out to the public who read Stuff magazine, who let's face it, are the target audience who are going to talk a lot about these devices. We've talked before about influencers online. Rafe, I was really pleased to see that the 1020 actually topped that. When you consider you have something like the Galaxy S4, when you have arguably the, the iPhone 5S uh, with a number uh, of improvements there to, to try and keep that ahead of the pack, the 1020, a relatively old phone in terms of cycles throughout 2013, actually made it. I can't believe
1: recording a phone that's sort of three or four months old on the UK market, sort of old and out of date. Yeah,
0: but uh, we've been talking about the 1020 for a we, long time. We have. Time. Yes.
1: We have. I mean, all of these awards you have to take with a pinch of salt because you don't know how many people voted and how everything worked. But it's interesting. You're right. The 1020s actually had a couple of these recently. There was another one about kind of uh, photography gadget of the year and a CES award and things like this. And it is important because that's about the public perception. And the 1020, I think, particularly in the UK, has been in a lot of people's mind because it's been the hero device for Nokia's recent marketing campaign. You know, you can barely turn around in London and and the rest of the UK, to be fair, on the television with Homeland without seeing a yellow 1020. And it's interesting, they haven't been using the front of the device, as you might expect, with the tiles. It's been all about that uh, black camera module on the back in the circle and it's really quite distinctive and as a result I think people really recognize it and the 1020 is the first device I've had for a while where people have come up and said oh is that the, the Nokia camera phone with the with the great camera and loads of megapixels and go yes it is and so uh, Nokia succeeded in that and I think it's had a good halo effect and that's partly why we see lots of sales of devices like the 520 i mean it doesn't seem to have converted so much into selling the you know the 1020 the sales of that are still relatively limited but i mean it's a good message i think for nokia takeaway and anything like oh, get, getting awards i mean over the 5s and s4 and other devices like that yeah i mean i'm sure nokia are very happy to do that i think you have to take it with a picture i mean part of this is my personal feelings coming in you know, I like the 1020 a lot. I think the camera is great and amazing. But it hasn't become my main device. I've actually stuck with the, the 925. And it's just maybe that little bit too bulky. And I didn't think the camera was you know, quite that step up from the 808 that I'd hoped it to be. And I'm sure Steve is probably slightly horrified by me saying this, but actually the 1020 just didn't quite fulfill its promise for me and that's partly about being a bit slow on shot to shot times and some other bits and pieces it, don't get me wrong i think it's a great camera phone it's the best camera phone you can buy but there's just a few niggles with it that kind of do make me look forward to maybe what comes next in uh, nokia's camera phone kind of flagship lineup uh, So, particularly having used the 1520 with that extra performance boost be one to watch and there's an article on the site that's kind of relevant here comparing the camera performance the speed of start up and shot shot time between the 1020 and the 1520 and that is important it's about grabbing you know action shots and things like that i mean steve i know you've used the 1020 now as your main device but can you associate can you understand what i'm saying with that just a few niggles that kind of get get you go it's not quite the perfect device
2: I can in the sense that I know the situation, you're you're in perhaps indoors and you're trying to take photographs quickly, there's something going on, somebody's running around, somebody's doing a sport or whatever, and you take a photograph in the 1020 and you've got to wait three and a half seconds before you can take the next shot. Now, that might be too long and you've missed the moment, in which case I would say that you can use the standard Windows phone camera that's built in, or even the Nokia Smart Cam, a mode within Nokia camera, and both of those let you take burst or very much faster shots. Um, but but the, indoors, especially with the Zen and Flash, I'd much rather take take three and a half seconds to take one really good, crisp shot where everyone's um, you know properly captured, than five photographs where everyone's moving a bit and they're all blurred. On a you know Samsung Galaxy S4, for example, so it really does depend what you're trying to shoot, when you're trying to shoot That's it, true. what your objectives are, and in, in, in your case, I'd say you know pick the right application for the job. If you don't, if you want to shoot stuff really fast, um, yeah, choose choose uh, the Windows Phone camera. You have much better results.
1: Yeah, it's a, a good point. And it's probably because I'm too lazy to think about changing the camera. But I think it's uh, probably typical for a lot of users. You know, actually remembering to choose the right camera app isn't really what you should be having to do. And that's actually kind of a good example of what I'm saying. It just doesn't quite feel it was fully implemented to to that standard that you expect. And it's, you know it's the performance stuff we're talking about here. When I use a device like that, I want it to work without me having to think about it, and I guess that's what falls down. I mean there are things like not having wireless charging built in and just feeling a bit chunky. I mean as I say don't get me wrong, I really like the ten twenty, but it's interesting. I suspect I just didn't place enough emphasis on the camera for me personally. That's not a big enough deal to use that over the nine two five but uh be interested to hear your comments on that. If you've got them, please leave them in the comment thread associated with the podcast or email us or connect via social media. Okay, sorry, You back
2: to you. (laughs) No, so very quickly, it's it's, it's a very valid criticism, just to say, obviously, with your demonstration of the 1520's um, camera speed, obviously we're all looking forward to the next generation or whatever happens after the 1020, when there will be a much faster processor and, I'd say, a quarter of the shot shot time, at which point even you will find nothing to complain about.
1: (laughs) I'm sure I'll find something to complain about.
0: Indeed, yeah. And, although we briefly mentioned the 525 in that little bit there, probably worth pointing out, uh, Rafe, the 520 pricing in the UK, and I know it's still an old phone and my, my rant notwithstanding last week, but we're talking ridiculously stupid price here on page you go in the United Kingdom. Now, £60 uh, plus a £10 voucher, was it, uh, on all the networks bar 02 for the for the Lumia 520? I mean, We've talked in these podcasts when it was all about Symbian uh, insight podcasts, which still taking over on the associated websites. Of the point when the big operating system gets down to that really core level, are we there now, or is this just a clearing the decks before Christmas?
1: No, I, I think we're pretty much there for the UK market. You know, as you say, six pound pairs you go, and actually, if you're looking for it simply because those devices will be locked in theory, in practice, actually, if you buy them from Carphone Warehouse. They're not simply for for £90. I mean, partly that reflects we are now you know, eight months into the life cycle of the 520 the price will come down but that really does represent fantastic value for money and i think the 520 you can hold that up as the best value smartphone on the market or the best entry-level smartphone the only device that really comes close in my view is the motorola g and you'll generally be paying a little bit more for that and you know when you're talking about 60 pounds a 10 pound price difference you know does make a difference that will mean someone will buy it versus not buying it you know, it's a, a fifth the cost of the device or even more. And it kind of amuses me that you can basically buy 10 of these 520s for uh, the price of one fifteen twenty. And it's why Nokia's, you know, been able to sell so many of them. Um, so, yeah, it it yes, it does feel like it's got to that point. And that's actually reflected, if you look around the high street stores in the UK, the 520 is being promoted in almost every window. It's being featured heavily in advertising it's kind of i i would describe this almost as the 50 pound smartphone christmas and the 520 is one of the stars of the show there and we always used to talk about it being sub 100 pounds but uh, you know it's an example of how the smartphone market has moved on in the last year that it's now about 50 pounds and you can look at any other market and see the the similar sort of thing in the us it was always the hundred dollar price point and now the uh, 521 and um, the 520 is sort of dropping below that for special offers and things like that and um, equally other European markets but also seeing some similar things out in India and Asia as well so interesting one to note and if you're looking to introduce someone to a Windows phone honestly I think the 520 is a great device to start with and at 60 pounds it's tremendous value for money I mean Steve I know you've used the 520 and kind of recommended it to family and friends £60, that's got to be one of the best prices we've seen for a smartphone for a long time.
2: Yeah, I, I can't think of anything in the Android market that would uh, compete with that. You mentioned the Motorola Moto G, which is at least double that price, if not more. Um, and I mean, I raved a lot about the 520 in the previous, all about Windows Phone pocket so I won't repeat myself yet. It's a terrific little ga- gaming phone, teenager phone, for, for a almost a semi-disposable Windows phone that has really good performance considering. It can't run all the top games, but... I sixty pounds is just astonishing. I was almost tempted, even though I've got a five twenty, to go out and get two or three more, and then wonder what to do with them. But uh, maybe that's being a bit extreme.
0: <laughs> yeah, surely maybe you could break all of them round to do sort of bullet time camera effect triggered by the by the ten twenties camera shutter button. There must be something inventive there that you could just you know we can make a better camera by using ten. 5.20s rather than one ten twenty. I can't uh, believe
2: it's Ewan making the geeky camera photographic suggestion on the podcast. But
0: there we go. I'm trying to balance things out. You're the one that brought in the klaxon and made all the mentions of that thing that I'm not going to mention, so i have got to pick up the camera stuff. Simple as that. Uh, I'm going to pick up the regulatory stuff as well, uh, because you have to assume that with the 5.20 sales, there's going to be another jump in market share. uh, Certainly in the United Kingdom, have a knock-on effect over the EU5, which is going to give Microsoft a very nice little run-up when The actual sales go through. Rafe, just worth noting, another regulatory hurdle has been jumped over uh, in the purchase of Microsoft Nokia's services and devices division.
1: That's right. It's the EU Commission of kind of given it the nod, basically saying there's no competitive threat here because there are other platforms out there that can provide an alternative, obviously a reference to iOS and Android. The one thing they did note was that Um, that this decision or this kind of advisement didn't cover patents or anything like that. And there was a bit of a story around the EU saying don't become a patent troll for Nokia, which I think is kind of ironic given that Nokia has been one of the better players in the patent space. And and clearly they will be looking to make more money out of their patent portfolio. So kind of uh, one to watch, but the EU Commission kind of firing an early shot across Nokia's bowels about, you know, don't abuse your position. Because Nokia do, as we've said before, um, have a very powerful position but with that in the u.s regulatory approval coming through it's now just a, a question of time there's obviously a few more minor markets to grant regulatory approval but i imagine it's moving into the final stages now and certainly the you know completion in q1 is almost certainly going to happen i would suggest it might even uh, make it into to february rather than march which is kind of what i initially expected so we'll have to wait and see on the exact timing of that one
0: I think the the EU Commission's word for it is they've not to do anything illegal with their patents. Um, which, which is a, Broad interpretation, an interpretation. Yeah. right? Yes, yes. Don't do anything illegal with them. <laughs> Just like, well, you know, that's the sort of thing you tell kids when you take them to school. You've got your lunchbox, don't do anything illegal with it. Uh, so there we go. Um, but interestingly, and I, I want to tie this in with the regulatory stuff as well, um, because we have highlighted it before. Um, we had the leaks today of i last couple of days of Nokia's Android open source project device. Now, I obviously, we've said before, one of the things that Nokia and Microsoft have to do until they actually get bought out by each other is they have to go on the assumption that they're not going to be bought. So somewhere in Nokia, I just wonder if there's this, a team going, you know, we've got to get this done, we've got to get this out, we've got to try and release this before Microsoft actually buy us because otherwise nobody will know what we've actually done um and i just wonder if this rate is a strategic leak to make sure everybody in the press and media knows that this device actually exists and is almost ready to go just so uh, a little bit of finished in there just to sort of we can we can
1: (laughs) i think that's maybe a bit tinfoil hat on the conspiracy front but just to provide some (laughs) some context here this is about the um said to be codenamed normandy device and the verge reported some more <laughs> details on this
0: Yes, there's a juno build and a gold build and a sword build that
1: that's right and uh they were saying that actually it's not when you say knock it android device you mean you start thinking about a smartphone or a lumia equivalent device and they were saying the sources indicated that it was equivalent to asher and in my view actually that makes a lot more sense than kind of having a, a range of android devices although that was in the labs i'm sure and nokia have been working on that and they'll have had all the options sort of open to them but it's very different you know doing a research and development project or a kind of test project than actually taking it to market and this does seem to be something that was being taken to market we saw post a kind of a rendered image of it as i say this is intended to be a device that would sit in the Asha range so that's nokia's cheap mobile phones the feature phones kind of anything up to about a hundred pounds and uh, we've seen the most recent ones have been kind of the 502 and the 503 they currently run series 40 but on top of series 40 kind of runs this asher os ui with the fast lane home screen and various other and it's kind of drawing a lot from what was in the n9 and Hart matten and some of nokia's other uh, platforms and operating systems so my contention would be this is likely to be uh, an Azure device running on android but you wouldn't necessarily know it was running on android because it would have a very similar ui to the the current asher phones you know, there's some interesting history here for Nokia. Series 40 has been around a long, long time. Uh, it's feeling a bit long in the tooth. And, you know, there's various issues around doing some of the more recent smartphone-like experience. And it's not just about multitasking. It's about, you know, addressing different process needs and the components and things that you can do with it and the speed of updates. Uh, and Nokia already recognizes and it's kind of well-known And they were going to replace Series 40, at least at the higher end of Series 40, with uh, Meltemi, which was kind of uh, a Linux-based platform running with uh, Qt, and it tied into the kind of Amigo and the Qt strategy that was going to replace Symbian. That kind of got canned last year, partly as a result of cost-cutting, but partly as also a result of changing Nokia's strategy. And that left, you know, what comes next for Series 40 a bit of an open question. And, you know, Asher OS, as it then became in the Nokia 500 and the 503, was kind of the short-term answer that, but it didn't really answer the question long-term. And so the idea of a, a heavily customised Android-based device, and you might term this Droid if you like, isn't quite as far-fetched as it sounds. I think if Nokia had remained an independent company, it was definitely a, a possibility I mean, I'd have to be sceptical that Microsoft would want to do something like this. I mean, they're they're taking over the mobile phone business, and there's still this unanswered question, you know, what are you going to do and what's going to happen to Series 40? But there's a certain amount of negative publicity, I'm sure, if they adopted android for mobile phones i mean i also feel there's kind of a, a closing window of opportunity here and this is ultimately what i think killed off Meltemi. you know windows phone is getting cheaper and cheaper and we're seeing that but you see that for 520 at 60 pounds it leaves less of a gap for these other devices there's still one now but in a few you know in a year's time or two years time is that still going to exist and so you know a really interesting part of the story about nokia but As much as you might like to think it's all evil plans in the background here, I think this was kind of a contingency plan. It may still happen. Um, I may may be completely wrong on this. It'd be a really interesting one to watch. it will certainly be interesting to watch kind of both the media and the public reaction to this if it ever did see the light of day.
0: I mean, there are two questions I have about this one. The first is, of course, if anybody was any of the regulators were to question what was going on in the 6 months process. It's a wonderful piece of evidence that they can go, no, see, we were working on something in case... They'd all fall through, um, which I think, you know, the lawyers would love. The second question is, and none of the coverage has actually said which department of Nokia it's come from. The obvious conclusion is that it comes from the, the devices and services division, but this is a forward-looking thing. This feels like it could be coming from the research department, and if it's coming from the research department... It doesn't go to Microsoft, does it, Right. This is coming from the device and
1: services division. It is. Have,
0: have we, do we have that confirmed?
1: We, we don't have anything confirmed because Nokia won't talk about products they haven't announced. I mean, they never publicly admitted to the existence of Mel Temi, But no, uh, actually, the kind of the advanced technologies department they're talking about hasn't really been set up yet. I mean, it's the R&D oh, labs. Fun. It's kind of the Nokia research labs. <laughs> if, if you look at this, it's actually you quite far down the path to being released that as I said the rendered image looked rather like the lumia 520 but with only one capacitive button and no kind of camera capture key um i i would suggest you know this was being worked on for a 2014 release which probably means sometime in the first half of the year It'll
0: i mean reveal it 3gsm
1: it, it, it it's a possibility i mean all of this is a bit up in the air i mean you you mentioned all the legal stuff and of course that's there but you know you wouldn't be entirely unreasonable thinking you know, would Nokia rush us out just for the sake of digital? It seems unlikely. I mean, it, business just doesn't work that way. It'll you know, become an orphan device. But as I said, it's not totally unreasonable to assume that Nokia looking for you know a way to renew Series 40 um, and putting in Android underpinning. And when I talk about you know it being Android underpinning, we're just talking about the operating system. You could take advantage of the drives. So that would mean you'd be able to, you know, use some of the same processes and low-cost components as the Android smartphones are using. It wouldn't necessarily have the full uh, Android smartphone experience. In fact, as I say, it would just be this Nokia UI and then it would be able to use some of the apps from android but it might be quite a controlled experience just as the Azure devices are at the moment and so people hear this and see android knocking they think about smartphone that's probably the wrong way to think about it as I say, a possibility i would still be somewhat skeptical but um it'd be interesting to see how this one develops
0: Indeed, of course, I have a sneaky suspicion that we're probably not going to see any more of this development. It's just going to uh, sit there with uh, along with the great big pile of n of the n nine and the the Odin. Remember the Odin, Steve?
2: No, Odin, Steve. I don't you. even
0: remember Steve. Uh, there we
2: go. <laughs> I'd uh, run meet myself there in shock at the at Odin. That was 90, uh, oh, 1999. Mokuloda yeah. and sign indeed yeah i never uh, had one of course you had all the fancy prototypes you and i got rather left out
0: i, I think i think i'm still in no comment territory on that one but colour can rev with bluetooth and gsm wow uh there we go um course, okay, again no doesn't exist nope never saw it right then uh let's move on with the games um after my little uh, piece uh last week of saying that microsoft should just kill xbox live branding uh, on the platform of Windows Phone uh, still up there on the website all about windowsphone.com and you know my point has been kind of proven this week as well um, Angry Birds Go has been released which is the karting version um, of the Angry Birds franchise it's so, an amazing, you take a platformer and you break it out by putting it into a karting game never been done before, ever ever, um, came out no Xbox Live branding, Minion Rush came out uh, from Game Loft, no Xbox Live branding, uh, we're waiting uh, and rumors are pointing out that Temple Run 2 and Grand Theft Auto San Andres will be coming in time for Christmas. Temple Run 2 may well get Xbox Live branding, uh, but not Grand Theft Auto San Andres. So there we go. Three out of four major franchise names, all of them skipping over Xbox Live. All of them very much expected, uh, and wanted on the platform. The defense rests on Xbox Live. But looking at these games in particular, uh, let's, let's start with Angry Birds Go. It's out here, it's carding, um, I suspect now that these birds, come February, March, next year, will be Finland's biggest export, right? Uh,
1: no, I imagine it will be Microsoft phones. I, in <laughs> fact, I don't know. Actually, um, I think in terms of Finnish exports, it's uh, mineral resources and timber and things like that that's still the biggest export. I'd have to check. I'm not really up to date on the increases of the Finnish economy.
0: Oh, such a shame, really. Uh, what do we think of Angry Birds Go, though? It's a sound game, but it's got a, quite a bit of bad press already before it's released
1: it has i mean a lot of this is down to having a 90 pound or something like that in-app purchase which i mean honestly i can just about swallow a 10 pound in-app purchase i mean muttering darkly in the background but that kind of level Uh, it's also it combines a lot of those in-app purchase then with kind of timers and so your bird gets tired and can't do a race and so there's definitely quite a heavy push to get you to upgrade Uh, you know it's kind of angry birds but you know with Mario Kart uh, and actually when you start playing it's quite good fun uh, I just wonder whether they've got the balance quite right especially when you think back to Angry Birds where you get so much of the game for free if it's ad supported or for a relatively small payment you get a lot of value with the you know the premium add-ons that are now part of the experience relatively speaking a thing that you can have if you want to progress faster or solve a particular level but certainly not necessary in quite the same way it feels like it is in Angry Birds Go.
0: I mean, Steve, going to come to you on this one. Surely what we're just getting is a, a free trial download, and then you pay, well, in the case of Angry Birds, 3 dollars to double uh, the income that you get from the coins, which actually makes the adoption of all the power-ups and everything to, to quite a sensible level. Surely this is just another way of doing freeware and shareware, like you used to do in floppy disk.
2: Yeah, I'm all for that, but two two problems. One is, Rafe says, you can get these stupidly high... Premium purchases you create, which is not a problem you, As an adult, you just ignore them You don't pay the £99 pounds or whatever But you hand this to your teenage kid Or to your 8-year-old no, kid And they think, oh I want all those coins And if they tap it before you know it Unless you're very, very careful You run the risk of
0: a fairly hefty bill And my second You have point the pin like, activated on your wallet The wallet <laughs> feature in Windows Phone 8 deals with this, surely? Well, what actually happens? Ian? Do
2: you have to enter a password? Or does it just say, do you want to buy it? Yes or no, and you tap on OK
0: but if you've added a PIN code in the wallet, then you have to put the PIN code in before the purchase goes through on your phone. Uh, well, I haven't done that,
2: you see. That's ah, anyway, the, that's why, why you've sec- only got
0: bills with 90-pound cars.
2: <laughs> my second point is, of course, what happens if you switch devices? Now, a lot of people listening to this are like us. They're early adopters, um, and they, they switch devices. They might have two or three Windows phones. They might buy it on one phone and then want to use the game later on, on a different phone, or they might upgrade. Um, how portable are these purchases? I, on Several of these games that you've been reviewing... Um, and, and quite rightly point picking up the developers on this you buy it and it's associated with that device you then buy the you download the same game the same freemium game on another device your new phone your new smartphone and then you've got to do the in-app purchase all over again with the old model way, okay it's a game costing 3.99 I'll pay it I'll buy it later on new device do you wish to buy this yes you have already purchased this do you wish to install it again no extra charge no hassle that's such a simpler way to do it it and to the extent now that when i browse the um, windows phone store for games i completely ignore the free list i completely ignore it it is dead to me i look at the paid list i look at the list of games where you actually pay them to get a decent game which you can then download as many times as you want install it as many times as you want on as many devices as you want and that's my rant over
0: but to but to counterpoint that there are a number of games that do have that cloud safe and um, jetpack joyride springs to mind there is an option inside apparently protocol to restore your purchases and um, and it is up to the developer they have got it started on other platforms um i will uh-huh. briefly look over ios in fact that icloud allows you to do exactly what you are trying to describe uh, there steve uh, but at the same point we have to also take in mind that the, the, the one off purchase payment worked 5 to 10 years ago in, in the software market It's do- nowadays it does not generate enough money for developers to file. We've already seen a number of Scottish developers this year uh, fold, not just for Windows Phone, but, but covering all, all of the platforms. I mean, Solar Flux is an absolutely fabulous game from the team up at Dundee. Uh, but they folded because not enough people were buying it. They were going for a much more traditional model of a paid download. Paid downloads are great for if you, for that security for the user, but they are not providing developers enough income. To the point that they, this is why we have free. You have the whales, you know, if you have one person buying a £90 car, that will subsidise 10 people using the freemail purchase and 100 people playing the game for free. You know, the, the, the economics are, the, money, the developers need money, uh, so I, I'm afraid you can't ignore the free list uh, and you can't avoid freemium because if you do, you will have nothing in the store next year.
2: Yes, surely the solution, though, is to have the best of all worlds. You have a, a quote, premium title with a sensible in-app purchase that's preserved across devices and doesn't have any shock um, in-app purchases that might frighten later on. So you, can, you really can have the best of all worlds. Developers can win and consumers can win.
0: Uh, Rafe, you can jump in here, but I would argue we actually do have that just now broadly. There are isolated circumstances where you don't have the, the, the same in but I would argue, Steve, we have that now
1: i mean i think the question here isn't so much about business models because i don't think you know what you've got here are various different ways of monetizing the games or you know allowing developers to earn money for what they're doing and that's fine and i think actually it's great to have different models because that's you're going to find that different titles work in different ways and it's going to depend on the user segment you're targeting as well i mean some people aren't able to you know, buy any games or apps for whatever reason. So ad supported is great for them. Others may be able to or don't want to spend it initially. And the, the in-app payments work well there. And I think the variety we've had come in has been good for the app ecosystem. The problem is that, you know, some people will take against a particular one. And, you know, that's happened with people not wanting to buy up front. And a lot of people are very anti that and they have to have a trial. And I think that's quite understandable. Equally well, you'll get people who don't like in-app payments. A lot of that comes from when it's badly implemented. It's not necessarily something wrong with the business model. It's uh, how people choose to implement it. And I think the cloud save is a good point there, as is kind of losing your in-app purchases if you go to another device. There are ways around that, and actually a lot of developers do get that right. I mean, I think specific to Windows Phone, that's where... Microsoft could do more to provide a gaming back end, and we see this on the other platforms. You know, Google does it, Apple does it. You know, Microsoft with Xbox Live, it's been very much about tying into the Xbox console. To me, it should be more about providing a, a level of services for games. Uh, across platform and, and i think there may still actually be an opportunity for you know, an independent company to come in and kind of provide if you like a gaming framework back end of some kind that works across multiple devices and multiple platforms yeah. kind of getting a bit off topic there but that's you know so you was talking about going going away export live saying goodbye to that getting rid of it uh, I see the point, and honestly, I don't get any value from kind of sharing a game of score between a Windows phone and an Xbox console. Uh, But I would see value if, you know, that Xbox branding meant that could guarantee that I was getting certain things with regard to in-app purchase or other elements of it. But it it is kind of an all-or-nothing approach, and that's a problem. You know, you get some games that don't do it, and that you end up with annoyed users, and I'm one of them. I mean, I don't particularly like... uh, Premium titles that as i would describe it take the piss i'm quite happy to do an upgrade and you know my personal level is i'll happily upgrade to unlock some extra levels or you know some extra game functionality one-off i don't really like uh, add-ins that kind of run out so that tends to be currencies or you're, you're, you're buying boosters that only work for a couple of levels that tends to irritate me a little bit more um, but everyone's different and so you uh, and's probably right you know there is this subsidy effect where people who are willing to buy you know subsidize those those who are not and as a result probably more people get access to these games than might otherwise be the case uh, but i i have sympathy on both sides but i think there's probably shades of gray and some measured ground we could stand in the middle
0: uh yeah uh that middle ground would be we'll review we'll look at it we'll tell you what we think and you can then use your own skill and judgment to decide whether you should download the titles we review. We've already covered Minion Rush, which has also come out this week. Angry Birds Go uh, will be up next week. Temple Run 2 Grand Theft Auto San Andreas. When they arrive, I'm sure we'll do. Steve, that good enough middle ground for you?
2: Yes, okay. I, I, I'll i <laughs> try a few more of the premium titles, but I'm still watching out those ones which have outrageous, as Rave says, taking the piss um, screen. I
0: think <laughs> what we need to do is give Steve the job of the 10 most outrageous in-app purchases of 2013.
2: See so if you can drain my bank balance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, excellent.
0: I will say
1: one of the good things is, though, we're seeing a much healthier gaming scene on Windows Phone in general. I mean, a lot of this has come about because Great. of the gaming engines like Unity. And that's something that's really positive. You know, it's not just Angry Birds Go coming out at the same time. I mean, I wrote a, a short flow on uh, a tennis game that came come out this week, and it was on Unity. It came out about a month after. It came out on iOS, but it just wouldn't have been there. Uh, last year on Windows Phone, and there's plenty more titles coming. You know, Temple Run Two, San Andreas. That's gonna looks like it's going to have a simultaneous release across all the mobile platforms, and that does mean that actually, as kind of you know, gaming smartphones, Windows Phone is doing a lot better now. It, it's not equal to um, iPhone or Android, but there are now enough titles on it that someone can buy a device and they'll find plenty to keep them occupied and busy. If they must have the latest releases, you know. Before anyone else, and want a constant stream. Honestly, iPhone and Android is still a, a better choice. But I think it's that old chestnut. It's it's good enough, and for ninety percent of people, there isn't going to be that much of an issue with gaming on Windows Phone anymore. And that's a big change from a year ago.
0: Indeed, uh, we will have all of those thoughts uh, wrapped up with the reviews and our editorials going forward. Uh, to the end of the year and into 2014 back on the website. It's going to be our Christmas special next week before we retire with the eggnog uh, and the John Wayne box set. Um, not saying who's getting the eggnog and who's getting the John Wayne box, box set uh, from my two co-hosts. But thank you, as always, to Steve Litchfield. You're welcome. Catch you next week. Uh, thank you, Dave Blanford.
1: Thank you, as always, here and thanks to everyone who's been listening.
0: Indeed, yes, and anybody out there who would like to make even more Family Guy references in the comments, please do so at allaboutwindowsborne.com. I look forward to reading them and printing the best ones to put on a t-shirt giraffe sure, now.